do you have a friendship ritual something that you do give or share with a friend which means that they've crossed over from being in the casual friend zone to becoming a close friend something to show that they really matter to you without explicitly telling them that i do i actually introduce them to korean dramas and maybe even push them to sit and watch one episode of one of the best dramas out there that i personally handpick for them and if they really care for our friendship they better not be too mean with their comments hi i'm nirupama and i'm sadhna a journalists but more importantly we fans of korean entertainment and this is hello hallyu the story of the rise of korean entertainment in india in the previous episode uh, we told you about what hallyu is and how it blew up in india today we talk about the drama that started it all k drama this episode is called the secret ingredients of an addictive k drama and in this we investigate what is that magic masala that makes k dramas appeal to so many people especially indians So we talk about the content, the format, the high production value that comes with millions of won being pumped into each drama and most importantly the one thing the dramas do so well make you feel. So Sadhna in the last one month some four different people reached out to me saying hey uh, I know you watch Korean dramas and uh, I want some recommendations. Wait, let me guess. They watched Crash Landing on You. I'm still in Japan. Where are you going? Yes, they watched Crash Landing on You and like maybe a couple of other dramas and they were mind blown and now they're all like, oh my God, somebody saved me by suggesting more dramas. And you know, I think Crash Landing on You is definitely the next biggest uh, gateway drama after uh, the 2009 super hit uh, Boys Over Flowers which actually introduced dramas to so many people. I think we have to back up for a moment. So for those who may not know when we say k dramas we are referring to south korean television series yeah technically mini series because uh, they are usually 16 to 20 episodes long and they end in one season the weekend dramas are you know they could be a little longer they might be 50 to 100 episodes long but they still don't take it to multiple seasons and so k dramas are what started hallyu back in the late 90s um it reached people in the northeast of india in the early 2000s and also people in a few other pockets of india but after 2010 when the internet made them more accessible a lot more people actually started getting into dramas yeah but it was still very niche but today in 2021 they're pretty popular and the thing with dramas is you cannot watch just one which is why i guess your friends who watched crash landing on you are maybe on their 28th drama by now right <laughs> yeah actually that is completely possible i do remember that frenzy of you know when you first get into a drama you're just taken in by the high production value and all of the outdoor locations and uh, the helicopters and the chase scenes and yeah so i remember that that phase very well Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know that's also one of the main reasons why dramas like Boys Over Flowers and Crash Landing on You uh, really become these sort of special dramas that uh, suck a lot of people in, right? And this becomes even more important when we consider how a lot of people got uh, into dramas during the lockdown. Imagine you're sitting at home, you're stuck, you can't go outside. Everything around you, you know, what's happening in the world is so concerning. And then Netflix keeps showing you these stunningly beautiful pictures with brilliant colors uh, of K-dramas and you'll obviously click. 
and there are so many to choose from right it's almost unbelievable so there's something for everyone almost yeah and that's the best part right because as a fan of dramas like nobody just watches one drama and becomes like a fan of just that one drama i feel like if you watch a few dramas and you like it then you become a fan of the entire drama verse as we call it which brings us nicely to the question that we want to address in this episode which is what is it that makes k dramas so addictive sugar spice and uppas and unnis that are nice <laughs> oh my god i cannot believe you said that but yeah you missed chemical x which is very important and there are so many such chemical x elements um and who better to explain this to us than the two people who have been living breathing and writing about dramas for many many years now sara and jen chang better known as java beans and girl friday from the side drama beans Hi everyone, I'm Jalabeez. And Girl Friday. And now that we've talked about all of our favorite and least favorite... For those who don't know, Drama Beans is a site that recaps Korean dramas. And when it started, uh, and even now, it offered insights not only into dramas, but into Korean culture. So it became really popular because that wasn't something that was available anywhere else at the time. Yeah, well said. I think Drama Beans is one of the biggest reasons why I became such a conscious and, you know, active drama watcher instead of just passively consuming everything that came my way. I started appreciating and, you know, savoring dramas more and also started to look at it more critically. So Sarah and Jen now work at Netflix and they run The Spoon. Uh, so The Spoon has all of the Netflix K-drama stars come in and make videos for YouTube and other social media channels. So it's for fans and by fans. So we got the two of them together and asked them what they think makes K-dramas addictive. Over the years, we have kind of been asked this question and and then thought about it a lot and so we've picked out some we picked out a series of potential reasons. I don't think it's any one secret formula, but we found that for instance, our go-to is Korean dramas are designed to make you feel something. That was Sara. they're everyday they're universal and so because they're designed to elicit all that emotion from you and get you really invested over a series whether it's 16 episodes or 80 if it's a weekend family drama for instance then you really get invested with these characters and brought on their journey and this was jen i think that's the word is investment it's emotional investment somehow they hook you and they get you to stick with it because we have i'm sure all of us have seen that really terrible drama but for whatever that one reason you stick through 16 episodes and even if it's a really terrible drama i've seen so many bad dramas that i actually enjoyed because of that one thing that hooked me that got me invested in seeing it through and then the payoff was worth it for whatever reason and i think that payoff is important like the stories are built so that you get to that payoff and you feel like okay that emotional investment was worth it because i'm going to get a, a come up and for the villain at the end i'm going to see that heroine like really come into her own and find herself and become happy so that emotional investment that they're talking about uh, i think that's really important because uh, there's a particular type of drama called a healing drama where you know one of the leads maybe they have major trauma or you know they have a lot of baggage and the drama starts out with that but throughout the course of the series we see them sort of deal with that and it's not like oh they magically overcome everything and it's done right we, it's a very slow setback feel process but throughout that as a viewer watching them work through all of that is uh very emotionally fulfilling like uh to take a an example the drama maya joshi 
the format forces you to have developed this sort of code for how to get this emotion out of the viewer in this efficient amount of time like some people call it formulaic and yeah it is kind of formulaic but i also think that that's not always a bad thing right it's a shorthand to get it's sort of like inject the emotion straight into my veins yeah and i think the format promises that you get an ending of some sort right like i hate starting a thing not knowing when is it going to end is it going to be renewed for seven seasons like how long am i investing in these characters do i am i going to take a break for seven months before i get to see them again so you get a very clear window of like in 16 episodes in eight weeks this story is going to be over and i'm going to get some kind of resolution so that format is satisfying and i also think that when you give me a bite-sized or a finite amount of episodes I'm actually willing to dive in wholeheartedly more, right? So I can just wade into this drama and like revel in it and just go into my little bat cave and just live and breathe this drama for the two months that it's airing. So that emotional payoff was actually really important uh, to help me keep sane a couple of years ago because when I started watching a drama, right, I didn't know what my life would be like in the eight weeks that it would take for one drama to finish airing, but in the drama at least. I depended on knowing that all the loose ends would be tied up, all the bad guys would get their due, and there will even be a happily ever after montage for you know all the characters. And as strange as that might sound, I think that really helped me cope. Oh, uh, I know that's actually not strange at all. You know, a lot of fans relate to dramas very deeply, and dramas have a huge impact on their lives. Even I turn to dramas whenever I'm feeling down, and it helps me cope. and it's definitely not just us like they were in a really dark place and dramas just like they were in a dark place they stumbled onto dramas completely accidentally and for whatever reason the thing they picked out really spoke to them and it really helped lift them out of their and then i mean the drama weren't responsible for killing them but it set them on that path that i think really helped that process it could be little moments too cuz i remember i was in a really down patch for whatever reason I was feeling pretty just kind of uh, whatever with my life and then I saw Be Melodramatic and there was this one scene toward the very end where there's this character who has been sort of she has lost her loved one and is in a very bizarre and doesn't ask for help and it's just like I'm fine I'm fine totally fine and she couldn't really grieve his death and there was at one point where she comes to her friend and she's like I'm not okay giving you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that experience, but I could feel that feeling and mm-hmm. I was like, oh. That's the thing is like you watch them work out the emotions and it helps you because most of us throughout our daily lives I think we just suppress a lot of those things just to survive and just to go through our day and just you know like be good for those around us and so we suppress a lot of those things and I think as women too we do that a lot um to support those around us. And so 
I think that this is a release. It's an emotional release to be able to watch other characters work out those emotions or to say like, hey, I'm not okay, I need help or something like that. You just identify with that. Interestingly, I actually feel uh, most comforted, you know, I actually turn for this sort of emotional comfort from Korean dramas. I don't actually get this from anything else, I believe. Like even if when I watch other uh, emotional shows, for instance, um, you know, there's this uh, English language show called This Is Us. Um, it's also a very emotional show and, you know, it makes you feel. But I feel like at the end of watching it, it leaves you very raw and hurting. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've seen that show and I don't mind that sort of emotionality as much as I mind the fact that, you know, because it runs through multiple seasons, they have to take that one character's death and all of their grief over it and sort of redo that over and over and over again, which I guess cheapens the whole effect, right? Yeah, 100% agree. Which is why I'm always willing to give my heart to good K-dramas because even though I know that I might cry a lot, I know I'll get out of it feeling much better than I did before. Well, unless you're watching this drama called Meow the Secret Boy, where a cat turns into a man and then there's a very questionable romance between the female lead and this cat turned man. And you're like, why did I press play? Wow, that is so strange. You should know better by now, Sadhana. I thought I taught you well. Well, you did make me watch Reply 88. So you did teach me well. Thank you for that. But um, yeah, sometimes it just happens. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up Reply 1988. It is this one, you know, uh, sort of secret card that I use on everyone uh, to get them interested in K-dramas. So I feel like if somebody watches that drama, then they will definitely start liking K-dramas. I think it's a good example of great writing and beautifully written characters and it also has this, you know, it brings this sense of nostalgia to 1988 Seoul, even though we didn't actually live there, right? Like we aren't that familiar with it, but uh, it really brings that out. And I actually think uh, in a special way um, that makes it more appealing to Indians because, you know, a lot of us living in India can relate to some of the things that are happening in 1988 Seoul in terms of the stage of development that we are in. Uh, we can really relate to that. Hmm, a sort of, you know, place in between tradition and modernity, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, while K-dramas appeal to everyone, like you mentioned, there are specific reasons why they're especially appealing to us as Indians, as South Asians. So we interviewed Anisa, who wrote her master's thesis on post-partition nationalism in Indian and South Korean media. Anisa Khalifa also co-hosts this delightful podcast called Dramas Over Flowers, which is uh, basically three South Asian women who talk about uh, their take on K-dramas, and it's really cool. I think for South Asians... There is definitely um, a familiarity in a lot of the cultural norms, you know, so like you have sort of the family relationships, like both the good and bad side of being that close, you know, with your family, like some of the pressures, some of the support that you get. A lot of the parent and child storylines, I think, are a lot really relatable for us. We can see like reflections of that in our own culture, even if it's not like 100% similar. Um, some of the sort of the class 
consciousness and the class issues that show up, I think, are also somewhat similar. And I think there is a lot of the same tropes, right? So, like, there's, like, the, the rom-com elements, but there's also the romantic melodrama elements, um, the family drama, which we talked about, the in-law drama, um, the, you know, the corruption and hierarchy issues, both at, like, the workplace and just generally in society. But at the same time, it's like in, in a slightly different context. So it's like new and fresh and interesting. Um, there's like different details that you can kind of learn. And, you know, it's in a new language. So like it's fresh, but it's also familiar. I think that's, at least for me, I think that was very interesting and cool. Um, I think also they tend to be not as sexually explicit as like um, American TV. And I know that made it much easier for me to, you know, watch and also introduce it to my family members like it's something you could sit and watch with your like I watched them with my daddy you know that's pretty cool that is so true the familiar yet fresh appeal right that we spoke about in the first episode exactly and also when we're talking about k-dramas I think one thing that we must talk about is just how many k-dramas come out in a year right so wait take a guess how many dramas do you think came out last year 2020 um so yeah because of the pandemic there must have been way fewer dramas than usual um and there are four to five channels and there are web series um so maybe like 70 actually try 130 because the so i counted and there were about 95 mini series which is your 12 to 20 episode dramas and 35 web dramas i didn't even count the weekend dramas Wow. Yeah, that actually makes sense because there are always dramas to watch, right? Uh, You know, whenever my friends call me and ask me, what were you doing? And I say, I was watching dramas for like the 358th time. They are like, how the hell are there always dramas to watch? And I tell them that's the best thing. Like, whatever your mood, there is a drama for you. Yes, because, you know, I remember there was this one point when I was live watching, I think, five or six dramas at the same time. And two of them had this same childhood connection trope in the sense that, you know, the main leads, they met in their childhood, but they don't remember. They meet later as adults and it's a fated connection or whatever. But they were actually done very differently. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, So dramas heavily rely on tropes, right? And I think that's uh, why they're able to produce so many dramas in such a short period of time. Yeah, that's true. So what is your favorite trope? Well, as common and boring as it might be, I think it's the friends to lovers trope because when it's done well, it's so heartwarming. Like to take a recent example in the drama, My Unfamiliar Family. Oh no, that's not boring at all. I think that's, uh, you know, one of the most popular tropes out there. And another interesting trope that I really like is the gender-bending trope, which is where the female lead actually dresses up as a man and people don't even realize it. And um, it leads to a lot of interesting story twists. Uh, I found that funny in the beginning, but then I realized they can actually make so many different good stories out of that trope. And, you know, while all of this makes it sound like all Korean dramas are the same, that's not true at all. Because K-drama writers constantly come up with ways to, you know, take the same thing and present it in a fresh and new way. So when you go into a drama, you have this comfort of knowing that things are going to end well, but you're also left guessing. 
I think tropes are tropes for a reason, you know, like because they speak to realities in our life. So even if it's a cliche,、um, it's a cliche because it reflects something real about our experience, right? It's not always how real life works, but because it's common enough that we can relate to it. So I think if the tropes are handled with Um, you know, some nuance and with good writing, and they're executed well, and they're acted well, and there's a sense of you know self-awareness about those tropes, which a lot of dramas have. You know, they have that extra level of kind of you know sometimes there's like a little wink, wink, nod, nod, or you know like there's there's acknowledgement of like yes, this is a trope, and it's very played out, but also we love this, and you know you love it too, so let's just go with it. You know, like there's that element. It's not like sort of an unironic,、um, and not like the cynical kind of irony, but a kind of playful, fun.、Um, like we are all fans of this thing, and let's just enjoy what we enjoy. Oh, I love it when dramas do that. Um, that's one thing that casual fans really miss out on. They won't be able to enjoy these things. You know, they they won't get these nuances. But unfortunately,、uh, most people these days are casual fans because of just how accessible、uh, K dramas are these days. They're on Netflix, they're on other OTT platforms as well, and they're also dubbed and they're showing on television channels. So yeah, it's it's just everywhere. So a lot more fans are just like you know watching them like just anything else. So we spoke to Mansi Shrivastav, who's the senior vice president of content acquisition at MX Player, one such streaming platform. So MX Player offers original content as well as international stuff that's been dubbed into regional languages. And she spoke about how K dramas are becoming an important part of their entire roadmap. We first introduced them around mid 2019. We saw that it was being sampled. We saw that it was being also consumed in a heavier manner in terms of the serious users, you know, the serious consumers. So we did see immediate response to this category, and from there on,、uh, we then went on to expanding it and you know making sure that then we are providing more languages within that content. We started off with Hindi, and then we want also want to dub it in Telugu and Tamil, etc. So for us, this is not something which is short term. We intend to sort of grow this space and you know invest our time in it and further exploring you know what all we could bring to the audience. So since its launch in 2019, MX Player has dubbed around 25 dramas into Hindi. So who is this company's CEO? We make everything. House, car, clothes, everything. And they told us that the streaming minutes for the Korean category. Has increased by 15 times. You know what was a little surprising for me was looking at the kind of dramas that became popular on the MX Player app. So Nirupama, do you know the dramas Doctor John or Richman? No, what are they? Exactly. <laughs> so the kind of dramas that even you know hardcore drama fans like yourself may not know about, they are getting a huge audience. Thanks to you know being dubbed into a regional language, so Richman apparently had like 26 million views for its 16 episodes,、um, according to the app. Ah,、uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's it's way more accessible and it's in your language than people are interested in it.、Um, and MX Player is aware of the potential that K dramas have. Yeah, I think it's also sort of telling stories in a in a sensitive manner. You know, I think they are addressing subjects which probably are important to most、uh, most youngsters. You know, and sometimes some of those subjects and sometimes some of those themes get left behind. They don't get addressed in the same way, and you know, you can very clearly see that there is a gap there, and that you know, it is appreciated.、Uh, it is something that is being viewed across、uh, across very small towns. 
personally for me um i think the most appealing part of dramas is their length and how their length allowed for character development and this nice uh, growth of relationships that can be shown it's almost like you know taking a novel and picturizing each page right yeah exactly and i think thanks to that um i became a way more sensitive and perceptive person in real life and i'm not kidding you know as an introvert um i think i was exposed to more social interactions and relationship dynamics through dramas than i was in real life hmm that makes sense and when you said dynamics that also reminded me of this other thing that k dramas do really well which is you know how they portray female friendships and including all the prickly parts of it like in the drama age of youth oh yes i love my k drama girl gangs age of youth is an excellent example but i also really love the girl gangs in uh, be melodramatic and um, because this life is my first melodramae bojo jakka bojo jakka 5년 차 Yeah so i think the way they portrayed uh, it just makes me feel so warm and uh, it makes me appreciate my girlfriends much more and i think dramas are able to do this because a lot of writers are actually women and because of that they are actually able to bring out the female gaze very well hmm i think that female gaze aspect is also why i am a big fan of k dramas too yeah and while this is there right the flip side is that a lot of people think that dramas are only for women and i hate when people do that because i don't think that's true um and i know it's not true actually because of my uncle wait your uncle hello chikapa mm hello yeah that's my father's brother he's 58 years old and he's been watching k dramas for actually you should guess Mm, 5 years no not even close 16 years you know remember we spoke about the time when dramas first came to india in the northeast they were also available on cable television in tamil nadu so kbs world uh, the korean equivalent of doordarshan they showed dramas with subtitles in some countries and it was accessible in india so he started watching then and he hasn't stopped But I'm curious, you know, what did he say he liked about K dramas? So he said a lot of things. Obviously, he started off by talking about the production value. They put a lot of effort into making things look realistic. If you take Tamil serials, somebody will be talking about doing business in crores of rupees, but the person will look very normal. He'll be wearing regular clothes and will drive a regular car. They might not even show him driving a car. but in korean dramas the rich person will look believably like a rich person the car he uses the clothes he wears and his house would be a massive mansion similarly a poor family will be shown to be living in a visibly poor neighborhood in a small house and even the furniture in their house will look like it belongs there the focus on family subjects and how they show grandpa grandma uncle and aunt it's like our indian culture it reminds us of our own families you don't see that in other foreign entertainment also it is very fast paced scenes change quickly in our serials when four people sit within four walls and talk to each other 
they show everyone's expression to every single sentence being said soon that the episode comes to an end but in k dramas within one hour they pack so many scenes and shoot so many different outdoor locations so you don't get bored oh yeah indian soaps they start off with one thing and you know 800 episodes later it's them their grandchildren or maybe they've died and come back from the dead three times and there's just no logical consistency <laughs> yeah you're right so have you watched this drama where the female lead turns into a bee what yeah a honey bee like the female lead turns into a honey bee mujhe pehchane ke nahi Okay, so later you should go and definitely Google Simran turns into a bee. But now we'll come back to the point. Um, so the most interesting thing that my uncle said about what he likes about dramas is uh, the fact that he can see uh, Korea in these dramas. When they show villages, they are so green. Even when they show parks. they gave greenery on one side and children's play area on the other and they show how people go and sit at parks when they are feeling low or stressed it's very nice to see you can't see that here they show that a lot of people use public transport and even the buses there they're always uncrowded whenever i see that i feel like wow I wish we had such uncrowded buses and the buses are also so neat they are all luxury buses the doors close automatically and the ticketing system is automatic it makes you want to take the bus you know when buses drive by in india you'd see a cloud of dust going with it but there when a bus goes it's just the bus you see no dust but in india We have a large population and so many villages and small towns and a different set of challenges. So all that is not possible here. But when we see these things, you naturally like it. Even though the culture is similar, so many such things are different. Yeah, I think dramas sell that fantasy of uh, Korea and especially Seoul really well. And I think this is what Professor Michelle Cho from the University of Toronto was talking about. The aspirational value that people in developing countries like India see in Korean entertainment. This is so fascinating. And we do see aspirational cities in Western entertainment as well, right? Um, but somehow I feel like they're alien and sort of unreachable to us because there are very few other factors of relatability. Whereas in Korean dramas, when you see uh, the society, which kind of resembles ours, but then you see that they're actually a developed country and they have all of these other things that we don't have. Um, I think it seems much more relatable, uh, like a better version of our own. So there you have the perfect format, right? You have the high emotional quotient, great writing, family-friendly themes, movie-level production quality, the female gaze, as well as the aspirational value and. There was a lot of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I I think you may have missed out one or two, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Uh, this is why so many people like dramas. They do so many things so well. Yeah, and listeners, now you know what you can reply with the next time somebody just dismisses K dramas without knowing anything about them. Oh yes, and if you're going to take on haters, we strongly recommend you also listen to the next episode, which is on K-pop, so that you are extra prepared. 
Hello Hallyu has been brought to you by the Swaddle. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out more of our work on the swaddle.com. Follow at the swaddle on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter. Stay updated on all our latest work.